cancel culture is not just coming for Hollywood celebrities. It's not just coming for wealthy multimillionaires. It could be coming for you next. And what is happening right now with Sharon Osbourne and The Bachelor's Chris Harrison, among other people, should terrify us all. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. There is a cancel culture crackdown that is happening right now. And it's so funny for people who like to say that cancel culture doesn't exist, that this is something that conservatives just make up. That is not true. That is actually a lie. Cancel culture is real. Cancel culture costs jobs. Cancel culture destroys lives. And we're going to start off this week talking about um, a couple of people who who are multimillionaires being canceled, but the overall goal is to let everybody know that this cancel culture can come for pretty much all of us. So right now, there is this outrage that is going on with the CBS uh, show, The Talk. Now, you know, this is um, five women on a panel, Sharon Osbourne, you know, wife of Ozzy Osbourne, a pretty prolific pop culture commentator in her own right, has been on this show since its inception. Sharon Osbourne is being canceled right now um, in, in a lot of different ways, but she is being canceled And this all goes back to our favorite biracial royal grifter, Meghan Markle. Last week, Meghan Markle had basically what can be described as nothing more than a wine fest with Oprah Winfrey. It was the biggest thing that was happening on news last week. If you are a follower of my Facebook page at Rob Smith Online, you know I, I did a video about this that actually did I did crazy. I think it's like five, six hundred thousand views or whatever. Um, so the Meghan Markle thing, where this privileged, you know, Hollywood royal is basically whining, did not go over well with the mainstream public. I I think that this was supposed to get her in America's good graces and this was supposed to smooth her transition into Hollywood. But most people didn't take too kindly to watching this this very wealthy, very pretty, but duchess at this point whining to Oprah Winfrey who is a billionaire on some palatial estate. Surprise, surprise uh, the people that are, are struggling to get by in the age of COVID, in the age of lockdowns, in the age of all of these businesses that have been shut down didn't really want to hear it which is fine you know it is our right as americans to say you know shut up pretty privileged girl go live in your castle and go wine somewhere else but apparently this is not the correct response to what was going on with megan markle Piers Morgan, who you may know of, who has been annoying everybody on the left and right for years, uh, particularly he went back to Britain. He tried and failed to do a CNN thing here a couple of years. This is not in defense of Piers Morgan, but basically he had um, the improper response to this. Basically, Piers Morgan said what everybody in America was afraid to say, uh, which is that this woman was whining and, and shut up. Who cares? Because, you know, we're, we're dealing with more stuff here. This got so bad that Piers Morgan actually left his job at Good Morning Britain. Now he's being smeared as a racist for basically criticizing Meghan Markle, who, by the way, 
nobody even knew was black until she uh, decided to leave Hollywood and marry Prince Harry. And then, you know, people realized that, that she had a black mother and she's biracial and all of this stuff. So even to talk to the Meghan Markle thing, and this is what a lot of people can't say, but, you know, I can say this here because I'm problematic. This woman had no interest in talking about African-American issues, had no interest in being on the cover of Essence or, or doing anything that could have ever identified her with being black while she was in Hollywood, while she was on Suits. It wasn't until the victimhood woke train came a-calling and she wanted to be black to be a victim. That is when she started, quote-unquote, identifying as black. You know, so now she's biracial and, and you know, uh, biracial people in Hollywood, I swear to God, they are blacker than any black person could ever be. And then they have to kind of overcompensate for them basically looking like light skin or like white women with a tan. I mean, that this just is what it is. So back to Sharon Osbourne and how she's being canceled. It is now the gospel of America that you must side with Meghan Markle or else you are racist. And if you are not siding with Meghan Markle, then you are an oppressor. You are the underlining white supremacy, just, you know, all the, all the woke crap that they always say. And so Sharon Osbourne gets put on the spot here at a moment on the talk. And I want you to listen to this. This is Sharon Osbourne basically being put on the spot, asking about Piers Morgan, who is a close personal friend of hers. So now that Piers Morgan has had the incorrect response to the Meghan Markle wine fest, he is now coded as racist. And now anyone who has any connection to him that will not throw him under the bus at any moment is now racist. This is how Sharon Osbourne responded when asked about this friendship on live television. I feel even... Mm -hmm like uh, I'm about to be put in the electric chair because I have a friend who many people think is a racist, so that makes me a racist. And for me, at years of age, to have to turn around and say, I ain't racist. What's well, it got to do with me? How can I be racist about anybody? How can I be racist about anybody or anything in my life? How can I? Well, 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 I well what? We will be right well, back. What? We have more topics, so don't go away. And I think we don't should go. stop this. I will From ask you again, Cheryl. Yes. I've been asking you during the break. Right. I am asking you again. And don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. Yes. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me. Tell me when you have heard him say, racist things it, educate me tell me it, it is not the exact words of racism it's the implication and the reaction to it to not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or to make it seem less than what it is that's what makes it racist but but right now I'm talking to a woman who I believe is my friend and I don't want anybody here to to l watch this and say that we're attacking you for being racist and and, and that and, and for that if I articulate it I think it's anything, too late I think that okay, seeds already sown but that that is why I'm saying for <laughs> me I'm saying for me for me I thought I was asking a question 
about the perception for other people. That's why I prefaced it with, I've never heard you utter anything oh, racist, please, but I have, but I have felt that Pierce was racist in his stance against Meghan Markle. And the last time he was on this show, I said as much. There's a lot going on here. Uh, first of all, so this was Sharon Osbourne speaking with Cheryl Underwood, another co-host of The View, who is black. So let's just go ahead and unpack this and let's talk about this. Woke Hollywood culture is completely bizarre, but also woke Hollywood culture has these people on notice. They must toe the line no matter what. If you are a black person and you are working in Hollywood, I swear to God, it's like they get the memo from the top. It's like they got these little uh, emails that they put out from the RNC and the DNC and stuff. It's like they get these talking points and if you are not badgering people, if you're not badgering any single person that even criticized Meghan Markle and calling them racist, well then you must be the racist one. This is exactly what's going on with Sharon Osbourne right here. And, and the fact of the matter is, this was not even about her comments about, uh, about Meghan Markle. This was about her you, you know, not being willing to throw a close personal friend of hers under the bus for quote unquote being a racist because some people felt that what he said about Meghan Markle is racist. It's completely ridiculous. And it brings me to this point right now where there are so many people who it's almost like nowadays you cannot criticize any black person ever for fear of being racist. If you're a white person and you criticize Meghan Markle, then you're being racist. If you're a black person and you criticize Meghan Markle, well, then you're just a, a self-hating, you know, Uncle Tom Coon, whatever. To me, it just doesn't really make any sense. So now, after all of this stuff happened, the woke cancel culture mob is coming after Sharon Osbourne all over Twitter. So now we're seeing tweet threads with problematic statements, quote unquote, that she has made on the talk like eight years ago. Oh, now Sharon Osbourne is canceled now this woke mob that has absolutely nothing to do better than to try to quote unquote cancel hollywood celebrities is coming from this one is coming for this woman now she's racist now the show the talk on cbs the talk is on leave now because they have to investigate what is going on so they have to investigate whether sharon osborne is racist for defending her friend from accusations of racism. And so now this is going to be Sharon Osbourne's narrative for the rest of her career. But here's the thing, this isn't even about her because my theory about this right now, my theory is this, and, and a lot of people, you know, I, I get, uh, when you're a black person and you say this, there's a lot of black people that are like, oh, why are you always caping for white people? Or why are you always trying to defend? And it's like, I'm not really trying to defend anything but open and honest speech. Because what happens with this stuff is that people get too afraid to say anything. They are so afraid that they're going to say the wrong thing that they're not going to start openly. And this is what Sharon Osbourne said to Variety about this segment in particular. So this is, this is what Sharon Osbourne said to, to Variety, and I'm reading from Variety right now. Osbourne says, about eight minutes before the show began, a showrunner called and asked her if it was okay if they asked about Piers Morgan. I said, sure, they can ask me whatever. 
whatever. But then I get on there, I say my piece, and Cheryl Underwood, this was the black lady that she was having this exchange with, turns around straight face, looks at me, and is reading from a card with questions. I was just so hurt, caught off guard, and stunned by what I was being asked and not prepared. I was honestly in shock. I felt like I was in front of a firing squad. I felt like a lamb held out for slaughter. They had me there for 20 minutes. And this is 20 minutes of live television, okay? <laughs> live television is something else. You know, I do it all the time. Anything really can happen, and that is a really uncomfortable position to be in. But you know what? As bad as I feel for, for Sharon Osbourne and a lot of people that got caught in this situation, and I do feel bad for her. I'm not shedding any tears for somebody that's probably worth upwards of $50, $60 million at this point. I'm not shedding any tears for Sharon Osbourne. What makes me really concerned and what makes me really sad is for people that have to toe this line. So, you know, you have two black women on, on the talk panel. You have Sharon Underwood and you have um, Elaine Welteroff. These women know the deal. They know what industry they're in, and they know that if they do not use that position to push the leftist agenda that now Meghan Markle is a victim, everything is about racism, and if you don't use this opportunity that you have to make this white woman pay in front of national television, then the cancel culture mob is going to come for you too. And the scariest part about this is that they are beholden to the mob. These people that are in Hollywood, they can't say anything else. Cheryl Underwood can't go on Twitter and say, well, Sharon Osbourne is my friend and I don't think she's racist. Elaine can't go and say all of this stuff because they are being held and people don't realize right now. We're about 10 years into the game with this cancel culture stuff because the cancel culture stuff has been going on since early 2010 because it was successful. Because people were successfully canceling all of these people because they weren't woke enough or they said the wrong thing or they were problematic or whatever. So now they own the conversation and there is no way that anybody is going to break through this until people start standing up and fighting against that. And it's never gonna come from Hollywood, by the way. We are never going to be able to, to depend on Hollywood or the mainstream media or entertainment or anything like that to fight against cancel culture because these are the very people um, that propagate it. These are the very people that create these rules. Now, it's not just defending friends that can now get you smeared as racist, now. Former Bachelorette host Chris Harrison is finding out exactly what happens if you don't tell the woke line. And I will tell you what is happening to him after the break. So this cancel culture stuff that we're talking about, it's not just about, you know, Sharon Osbourne. It's not just about Hollywood celebrities, but this is uh, something that I find interesting, something that's going on with this guy, Chris Harrison, that, that hosts The Bachelor. Now, you guys all know The Bachelor. The Bachelor is the cheesy dating show where, you know, it's it's 17 women, you know, vie for the, the man's heart. I don't believe that any of The Bachelors have been. I think that show has been on for 20 seasons. I don't think any. I don't think I think maybe a couple of them have gotten. No, I don't know if any of them have gotten married. So that, The Bachelor doesn't have a very good track record, right? Um, the Bachelorette has a better track record because I just believe that the you, women are just you they they're going to want they're going to take that seriously and they're going to want to settle down like guys just want to play the field it is whatever sue me i'm being problematic anyway so i don't really watch the bachelor all that much but i'm hearing all of this stuff on social media and entertainment and all of that stuff bachelor host chris harrison has a race row a racist uproar about chris harrison ho bachelor's racist history so i'm seeing all this stuff and i'm like okay let me 
literally just search and find out exactly what the deal is because God knows that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get it from from the mainstream media or any of these entertainment websites. I had to Google to find out exactly what this was. So I'm gonna read to you like this is what the controversy is, okay? And this is from Vox, right? The Bachelor still has to address its handling of race. Those racial issues have come to a head in the latest backlash against the franchise, which involves a contestant, Rachel Kirkconnell, and longtime host Chris Harrison. This is what Rachel Kirkconnell has been criticized for. This is the race row. Kirkconnell has been criticized for her past social media activity, which includes liking a photo of friends standing in front of a Confederate flag, as well as for her behavior when she was in college, which included attending an Old South Annabellum theme party. Harrison, meanwhile, is under fire because he defended Kirkconnell and accused the woke police of going after her during an interview with Rachel Lindsay, who in 2017 became the first black bachelorette. So now this is some background here, right? But I want to say, first of all, this woman uh, liking a photo of her friend standing in front of a Confederate flag, probably not advisable, okay? Um, <laughs> attending an Old South Annabellum theme party, also things that are not advisable, like just not a good look, right? But my personal stance on this, and this is what I would think, is that number one, if we were all held, like thank God that I wasn't on social media in college, we were all held responsible for stupid crap that we did uh, when we were in college, none of us would be able to have any kind of life. Um, so look, you know, if you just said it was wrong to attend the party, say it was wrong to like the photo, you didn't notice the Confederate flag or whatever, okay, everybody moves on, blah, blah, blah. This response from Chris Harrison is why he is being crucified by the woke media right now. Listen to this. What are your thoughts about Rachel Kirkconnell and the events attached to her? A couple of things. First and foremost, I don't know. Um, I haven't talked to Rachel about it. And, and this is, again, where we all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion, because online, again, this judge jury executioner thing where people are just tearing this girl's life apart and diving into like her parents and her parents' voting record and what it's it's unbelievably alarming to watch this. I haven't heard Rachel speak on this yet. And until I actually hear this woman have a chance to speak, who am I to say any of this? Um, you know, I saw a picture of her at a sorority party five years ago and that's it. Like, boom, like, okay, well this, this girl is in this book now and she's now in this group. And I'm like, really? Okay, well, there well, goes the picture was from 2018 at an old South antebellum party. So I think, you know, when you when you it's, it's when you not, hold that under the lens, it's not a good look. Well, it's not a good. Well, Rachel, is it a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? It's because not a, a good look too. ever because she's celebrating well, the old South. She's cel if I went to that party, what would I represent I, at that party? I don't, I don't disagree with you. You're, you're 100% right in 2021. That was not the case in 2018. And again, I'm not defending Rachel. I just know that, I don't know, 50 million people did that in 2018. Now Chris Harrison is canceled. He has been canceled for making such racially incendiary remarks as, how about we have a little grace when we're dealing with people? How about we kind of give somebody a chance to explain themselves before we go after them with this, you know, a Twitter mob full of pitchforks. Now, 
for just asking to exercise a little grace when it comes to people who may have mixed misstepped. Now, this is just not good enough for the cancel culture mob. Now for doing this. Now the mob has moved on to Chris Harrison. Like this, what has Chris Harrison done to anybody in this world over the past 20 years, but host a silly show. But now they're coming for him. And it's so pathetic. It's so sad when these people do these apologies. But now he's canceled from The Bachelor. And again, like I said, instead of standing up for himself, he has been replaced as host and and even went to Good Morning America to release this pathetic, whimpering statement. Listen to this. A lot of people, and I'm wondering, why would you defend Rachel Kirkinell? It was a mistake. I made a mistake. I am an imperfect man. I made a mistake. And I own that. You see me woke Twitter mob? I am an imperfect man. I have made a mistake. Please, woke Twitter mob, please forgive me. Please, Rachel Lindsay, who is now apparently the queen of all black people, please forgive me. Everyone, please forgive me. I know not of what I speak. Oh, please educate me. Robin D'Angelo, author of White Fragility, please come and, and, you know, give me a seminar so that I can see how my whiteness has oppressed other people how do we function like this in a functional society how do we move on from this how do we move on from a culture that is so prone to outrage and so prone to being triggered by regular human mistakes i mean my goodness man i don't know how we move on from this if this is allowed to continue. And the scariest thing about this, and like I said before, we're not just talking about Chris Harrison. Look, Chris Harrison, I don't think he should be canceled, but if he is canceled, that you make the deal with the devil. When you go into Hollywood, you make the deal with the devil that you have to toe that line no matter what. If you want to live in that world, you make the deal with the devil that you have to toe that line, and that is what it is. But this is not just about Chris Harrison. This is not just about Sharon Osbourne. This is not just about, you know, multimillionaire entertainers or or TV people that are being canceled. There are real world effects of cancel culture, right? So when we speak about cancel culture and we're trying to fight against it, we are not just fighting for multimillionaires to keep their jobs. There are real world effects to this. Now, two Georgetown Law School professors have been canceled after they made quote unquote racially insensitive remarks about some of the black students in their class. I will tell you what those remarks were and what happened to these professors after the break. Uh, Twitter's a bit of a cesspool. I try not to spend too much time there, but every once in a while, there's something um, in the outrage mob and in sort of something that's going viral that is interesting enough to spark a very real conversation about, I I think, real issues. I came across these remarks. Now, these are two law professors at Georgetown Law School that were making these remarks on a Zoom call that apparently, I don't know if this Zoom call was supposed to be private between the two of them. I don't know what happened, but I'm gonna play you these remarks. We will talk about them and I will tell you what happened to them for making these remarks. They were a bit jumbled. Yeah. (laughs) It's the best way I can put it. It's like, okay, let me reason through that, what you just said kind of thing. 
Yeah, unfortunately. And you know what? I hate to say this. I end up having this, you know, angst every semester that a lot of my lower ones are blacks. Happens almost every semester. Mm. And it's like, oh, come on. (laughs) You know, get some really good ones, but they're also usually some that are just plain at the bottom. It drives me crazy. It's a very good jumping off point for a conversation. First of all, let me just tell you what happened to uh, both of these professors for making this remark. So, and, you know, I'm not even going to say her name because you know what? The, her name has been smeared through my eyes, whatever. Um, this woman has uh, been fired from the university. The woman has been fired and the man uh, has been placed on leave, right? Ma- placed on administrative leave. Uh, so this is what has happened as based on these comments. So now... Let's unpack the statement here. So what she's saying is that every year, and this is somebody who had been teaching at Georgetown for 20 years, right? Georgetown is a very elite law school, right? So this is what she's saying. For the past 20 years, some of the sloppy work and some of the people that are lower in her class, like most of these people end up being African-American students, right? Okay. Um, Did she say it inarticulately? Yes. Was it relevant to the conversation at that point? I'm not entirely sure. Was there probably a little bit of fact in what she said? Absolutely. And so this is problematic. This is controversial. This is probably not something that a whole lot of black commentators will say, um, left or right, whatever, not being real about it. But this is the reality of the situation. And I did a tweet thread about this where I was very open and honest about this. This woman is at Georgetown Law School. She is probably for all intents and purposes, a liberal. This woman has got to be liberal. There is no way this woman is conservative. There is no way um, that she is racist in the way that that people on the left, you know, believe whites are, are to be racist in, in the way that they talk about black people or anything like that. What a lot of people don't realize, what a lot of people don't want to talk about, because we don't generally talk about affirmative action anymore, and we don't really talk about, is that there are a lot of black students that are admitted to highly elite universities nowadays. And they are admitted because there is a focus on diversity inclusion in these elite universities nowadays, which is not in and of itself a bad thing. But what is happening a lot now is that students are getting into these schools, particularly African-American students, particularly lower-income African-American students, they are getting into these schools and they are unprepared for the workload and they are unprepared to compete with a lot of the other students that are there, okay? And let me break this down. I know from which I speak. I did my undergrad at Syracuse University and I did my grad school at Columbia University. What you don't understand when you are... Um, a working class kid from public schools and an elite institution, you are not aware of the fact that a lot of the people to your left and your right, and by the way, some of these people are are African-American too, by the way, but some of these people to your left and your right have had nothing but the best private educations for their entire lives. They have had the best private schools. They have had nothing but the best. Their reading and writing and math skills are on point. They are better than any student, black or white, that has come from the public school system, particularly the public school system um, in a working class area. So this is just the truth and the reality of what is going on. And so when you add that to the fact that some of these institutions are tripping over themselves to diversify that student body, 
you're going to get a lot of students that are not prepared to do the work and the vast majority of these students end up being the African-American students because the vast majority of the African-American students do come from lower and working class backgrounds, but also come from public school systems that are not to the level. If you are a smart kid, it's not hard to pull a 4.0 in a crappy public school. Okay, I did it. I'm not particularly brilliant or exceptional. I was a smart kid. But it's not like I was learning anything in that public school. And so, however inarticulately, this was a conversation that these professors were having. And now they are being canceled. And so this is the conversation that we should be having. The conversation that we should be having when it comes to this situation is, do we need to be pushing kids that are unprepared to go to college to not only take on student loan debt, but to be to underperforming? Or is there another way? But we will never have that conversation because as soon as it's brought up in a way as, like I said, inarticulate as these professors were being, then they're canceled. Instead, our trusty friends in the mainstream media, instead of unpacking this conversation, instead of using it to have a real conversation about why this professor would say that these kids aren't performing. Maybe she, maybe these kids are underperforming. Maybe at 20 years, you know, she's seen this over and over again. But instead of having that conversation, this is how ABC has it. What was supposed to be a private Zoom conversation between two Georgetown Law School professors that went very public. One professor fired for racist comments, the other on administrative leave. TJ Holmes joins us now with that. Good morning, TJ. And I quote, Stray, a lot of my lower ones are blacks. And it's like, come on, end quote. Now imagine being a black student at one of the most prestigious law schools in this country and have to hear your professor say that about you. That is what those students heard. That professor now has been fired, but has highlighted a problem long talked about at some of the most prestigious law schools in this country. Listen to the offensive remarks about black students that got Georgetown law professor Sandra Sellers fired. And you know what? I hate to say this. I end up having this, you know, angst every semester that a lot of my lower ones are blacks. Happens almost every semester. The video call was between Sellers, who has taught at the school for nearly 20 years, and Professor David Batson, another Georgetown law professor. Part of the recording was posted online. In the clip, Sellers claims her black students routinely grade lower than her other students. And it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, get some really good ones, but they're also usually some that are just plain at the bottom. It drives me crazy. Georgetown terminated Sellers and placed Batson on administrative leave while the school's Office of Diversity, Equity and Affirmative Action investigates, saying Batson has been removed from any involvement he has in the course he was discussing with Sellers. The university also says it's taking significant steps to ensure that all students in this class are fairly graded without the input of either professors. The dean called the conversation reprehensible and abhorrent, adding that the termination and investigation is by no means the end of our work to address the many structural issues of racism reflected in this painful incident and that there's a need for more comprehensive anti-bias training. A need for more comprehensive anti-bias training. Wow, you know, you want to talk about you want to talk about a racket. 
<laughs> you want to talk about a racket, try being somebody that gives anti-bias training to the colleges and the universities that are currently wasting student dollars every single day. So this is what the mainstream media does to this conversation. So instead of asking the tough question, so the tough question here is, are some of these students underperforming? So that's the question. The question is, are some of these students underperforming? The question is, are some of these students that are underperforming black? And then the question is, if some of these students that are underperforming are black, what are the reasons that they are underperforming compared to other students? I'll tell you what those reasons are. Those reasons are the exact reasons that I just told you about, but this is something that nobody wants to say because it is too real for woke academia. And this stuff does not help these, but, and this is the thing about it, infantilizing these students, infantilizing black people in general, but particularly in this circumstance, this is not going to help these students succeed in the real world. So this is what the Black Law Student Association said about all this. These racist statements not only reveal their beliefs about black students in their classes, but also how their racist thoughts have translated to racist actions. Her bias has impacted the grades of black students in her classes historically in her own words. So this is what it is. It is not these students underperforming. It is not them not doing the work. It is not them being able to do the work to the quality of these other students that, like I have just said, came from probably the wealthiest and most elite institutions. It's about bias. It's about racism. And if a professor, however, inarticulately called that out, then it must be her implicit bias against these black kids that is causing them to underperform, that is causing them to probably not write their briefs well enough and not, not do whatever. And this is what we call the soft bigotry of low expectations. So these black kids that are at the most elite, one of the most elite uh, graduate institutions for, for the study of law in the country cannot be expected to perform at the level of every other student just because they are black. And if they are not, it must be some implicit bias from their professors. And now look, I'm not the type of black, you know, conservative, free thinker, whatever you want to call it. Like, I'm not the one that always says that racism doesn't exist and racism is there. Racism does exist. It's, it's there in a lot of different ways in society. I just don't think that this is the right way to go about it. And I certainly don't think that telling whoever is in these classes, by the way, that their poor grades or, or their crappy work is being graded down because their professor is racist. This is not going to help these kids out. And so to bring this all back, these professors were canceled. And this is not just some multimillionaire, you know, Hollywood uh, host or, or Sharon Osbourne or something like that. That's just going to go sit on millions of dollars, be whatever. This woman's face and voice and name and all of that stuff is being associated with racism to level to where she was being put on blast by ABC News, for God's sakes. This is what cancel culture can do to any single one of us at this point. It can burrow down and it can zoom in on a moment that would that you were trying to express something and that you didn't express it in the right way. 
all of a sudden you're canceled. This woman was trying to express something I believe very, very real. In Chris Harrison's words, I'm going to give her grace because as soon as I saw that clip, I knew exactly what she was trying to say because this woman was just another, she's a well-meaning white liberal, right? Because white liberals... It's the soft bigotry of low expectations, like I said before. She hates to say it because her white liberalism will not, her white liberalism wants her to give these kids the benefit of the doubt with every bone in her body, with every cell that makes her up as a human being. She wants to give them a pass. She wants for them to do better than what they are doing. But she could not. And we cannot as a society until we're able to speak openly and honestly about what the root causes of all of this stuff are. And so for you, for me, for any of us, regardless of the you know Ivy League law school situation there, regardless of whether you're being canceled as a professor at an Ivy League law school, whether you're being canceled because your politics aren't the right kind of politics and somebody catches you uh, at, at the wrong kind of political rally or somebody catches you saying the wrong statements or, or thinking the wrong thing about any issues. If you're Sharon Osborne and, and you're not um, willing to throw your friend under the bus and call him a racist on national television so that you won't be called a racist then all of us can be canceled in these different ways. I could be canceled. You can be canceled. They can be canceled. And why is cancel culture so prevalent? Why is it so strong? Because we have allowed as a society to make cancel culture prevalent. We have allowed as a society to let Twitter mobs rule, to let Hollywood elites claim that you know, if you don't act a certain way, or if you don't think a certain way, if you don't say this and you're white, then you're racist and we're going to cancel you. We have allowed all of these things to happen. You have allowed it to happen. I have allowed it to happen. And the only way it stops is if we stop allowing cancel culture and stop participating in it. Have your take on the situation, but give people grace. Allow people to make mistakes. Allow that Georgetown Law University professor to make the mistake and said and clarify what she said. Give her the opportunity to do that. Like I said, I think that what she said wasn't very articulate at all. And when you know how the woke mob works, you know what their triggers are and you know how somebody could be offended by that. But give people grace. These sort of scalps that we're collecting on social media. Oh, God, we scalped Chris Harrison. We scalped this Georgetown law professor. Um, I think I talked a couple of weeks ago about some guy that was being a jerk in the gym about the mask. Oh, well, you know, we found out where he worked and we found out his name and, and we need to get him fired. We found this person. Where does this all go? This is feeding a beast that will never be satiated. The only way that you can kill the cancel culture beast is to starve it. And if we don't start starving this beast, if we don't start standing up to the scourge of cancel culture that is affecting all of our lives, then it can come for any one of us at any moment. So how do we do that? Give people grace. Start talking to each other. Start actually thinking before you tweet. Don't be so quick to hop on outrage mobs. And I've been 
guilty of that myself lately. But if we don't start starving this cancel culture beast, it's going to control us and own all of us forever. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.